0: why I'm in the house. I hope that's why you're in the house today. Uh, So I'm I'm glad to be back with you. Actually, uh, Lindsay said she hasn't been able to be in on one of our Grace Bomb messages yet. This is our third week, and I actually have not been able to preach a Grace Bomb message yet because we had uh, the founder of Grace Bomb. Grace Bomb is actually a nonprofit organization, and so we had the founder of Grace Bomb, uh, Bomb Pastor Pat Linnell, come down two weeks ago, and he was able to share with you and sort of begin to cast this vision of what Grace Bomb is going to look like here in Greenwood, and then uh, and then last week, Adam came and he brought a message on, on fear and sort of overcoming that fear. And so we're so thankful for that. And, uh, and I just thank you, church, uh, for allowing me. Last week, I was able to go uh, to my, my, my first and oldest and uh, mentor in my life. I was able to go to his church last week and, and preach at a D now and then preach on Sunday morning. Um, in North Carolina. And so thank you, church, for allowing me to be able to go and do that kind of a thing and, and serve uh, the body at large, like not just the local body here, which I love dearly, but the, the church body at large. And so thank you so much for that opportunity. Uh, before we dive into the message this morning, I do want to pause and talk about something first. Um, if you can hear my voice and you haven't signed up yet for a missional community, then here's what I would love for you to do. I would love for you to get your phone out. You have my permission to pull this phone out and, and go ahead and go to legacycity.church slash groups. And you can go there and I would love, I'm just, I'm going to walk through this because this is important. Uh, I want us to be involved in our missional communities, these are our version of small groups. Uh, we call them missional communities for a reason because they are missional in nature. Uh, it's not a lot of a lot of churches might have a small group that's closed off that says, "Hey, we want to be." Like private, we want it to be intimate, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just a different way of thinking. We want it to be intimate. And we want it to be uh, kind of like, kind of localized and specialized, and 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 you know we'll have another group for newcomers. We'll have another group for outsiders, but we want our groups to be tight. And so what we said is we we don't really want our groups to be like that. We we, we want that kind of stuff to happen uh, on on maybe even a smaller level than that. But but as far as our missional communities are concerned, we want everybody to feel included, everybody to be welcomed, whether they attend this church or not. And so um, and so we want you to be involved in those missional communities. If you go to uh the if you go to legacycity.church/groups you can click a button there that says sign up for a missional community and that'll take you to where you can see all the missional communities. You can, if also if you have the Church Center app then you can go to that and you can see all of our groups there as well. If you don't know what the Church Center app is Uh, that's a different question for later on today. You can talk to me after church and I'll help you out. Um, listen, I am, I am just, I'm so excited about the message this morning, but I have to stop at the beginning and talk about these missional communities because they are crucial. We really believe that ministry happens better in circles than in rows. Not that this is not important. We, we believe Sunday morning is important. Absolutely. Uh, but, but it's so much more important to be in a circle, in a community of, of believers, in, in those missional communities. We believe that's the best place for that to happen. And, and so uh, we have seven, uh, seven missional communities, and they are all led by some amazing leaders. Um, sorry, this thing is being a little weird, so I'm trying to get it straight on my ear here. Um, They're all led by some amazing leaders, and, and so uh, most of them started just last week. Uh, actually, the last one to start is kicking off tonight, and, and so you haven't really missed much. You, you can still jump in and get involved. They cover a wide array of topics. They meet on different days and different times, and again, I just think this is so, so important um, to quickly just touch on each of these. So tonight, we have a group for young-ish leaders called Leadership 101, and I say young-ish because there are two people in the group older than me, and so, uh, so this is open to anybody who, who um, wants to grow in leadership, whether you lead at work, or you lead at school, or you lead on a team, or you lead in the church, or you lead at home, whatever it is, where, however you lead, uh, we want you to, be, to come and be a part of this missional community. It's open to men and women, um, and, and we would love for, for as many people to, as possible to be involved in that one, Leadership 101. That's going to meet on Sunday nights. We also have a group called Popcorn Theology. They uh, watch movies together and then discuss how to look at those movies through the lens of scripture. That's been a fun group. This is actually a second semester going. There's also a group called Neighborly. Uh, This is a group for anyone. They actually meet in Abbeville and they'll be talking about living out uh, what it looks like to love your neighbor. And uh, another amazing group this semester, I'm just trying to give a little thing on each of them so you, so you have an idea. These aren't just one-dimensional groups. These, are, these cover just a wide array. Uh, there's another great group this semester called Munchkins and Moms. Uh, this is a group that meets on Thursday mornings, and it's for moms and their kiddos. Uh, it's a fun, organized play date that is centered around Christ and fellowship. Uh, one that I'm really excited about and, and I think is really awesome is, is called Go Ye Therefore. Uh, this is an awesome a uh, group that puts your faith into action by going out and really uh, becoming a missional community by loving people right where they are, meeting them right where they are, and loving them, loving them there. Uh, there is one that's lady-specific. It's, it's a Bible study on Jude, and I'm, I'm confident that that one's going to be really incredible. The source material is phenomenal. Um, and finally, there's a group called Theology Thursdays that will be unpacking some of the hard and fun biblical truths this semester that every Christian needs to begin to understand. Now, of course, we also have our ongoing missional community just for middle and high schoolers as well. And so if you're a middle or high schooler or if you have a middle or high school, or if you know a middle or high schooler that needs to be involved and plugged into a small group, uh, this, this kind of takes the place of our youth ministry. We don't have a big service and a big thing, but what we do have is a very intentional discipleship-focused, biblically-based missional community that we would love to get uh, our, our teenagers in this community involved in. I, I take a moment to talk about this because this is so, so important. This is so important for our church. I, I wish I could be in all of them. I wish I could be in every one of these. I am, I am personally in two and I host the third at my house. That's how committed and dedicated I am to these mission communities and how much I believe that they are important. Um, and, and so I practice what I preach. This is Acts 2 and Action Church. People say, how do we become an Acts two, chapter 2 church? This is it. Meeting together in, in, in people's homes and and breaking bread together and praying together. This is Acts chapter 2. This is taking the church and, and and spreading it out. And you don't have to be, I said, you don't have to be a partner at Legacy City. You don't even have to attend here. Uh, in fact, I would love, my, my prayer and my hope is that we get to a place where our missional communities, we have more people attending our missional communities than we even do here on Sunday morning. And listen, that's not because this is not great. I love this, the gathering of the local church, especially in a movie theater, how fun is this? But how amazing it is to get into a smaller group where you can really begin to grow together, disciple one another, care for one another, and be missional in nature. So if you haven't joined one or two or more, please consider it. If you haven't invited anyone to join one with you, consider doing that as well. All right, so that's my that talk on missional communities i'll stop with that um all right so we're in grace bomb we're in grace bomb and we've uh, i wonder and this is kind of a rhetorical question because i doubt i'll get any shot backs on this but how how we've been doing with grace bomb how we've been enjoying we're 14 days in this would be day 15 um we were handed out these cards on on the first week and we have a refill station out in the lobby these are cards these are grace bomb cards uh, on the back side, it says, you've been grace-bombed. And we were challenged to, to just literally pour out the love and kindness of Christ on other people. And then, and then when we do, just give them this card so that they know this wasn't just a random act of kindness. This was an intentional act of love from Christ. Okay? And so um, there's a few encouraging stories that have come in. Uh, there, there's a couple that I, that I wrote down here. Um, there was one person. I'm not going to give any names to embarrass anybody or anything like that. But uh, and so I'm going to be vague with the situations. But there was a person who was who was saving up some money for a, a venture that they uh, that they were going to do, and, and it didn't kind of work out. And so they had this money, and and uh, and they just felt like God said, "Hey, this this money that you've saved up needs to go to somebody else who who is kind of going a similar trajectory that they originally were." And so they were able to they were able to take this. Large sum of money and grace bomb somebody else who needed it, uh, and 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 that just did an amazing thing in that person's life, like tears and the whole thing, and it was incredible. Um, let's see, there's another one I wrote down here. I saw this one on Facebook actually. Uh, someone uh, bought groceries and cooked dinner for someone else who was at the time very pregnant and tired and couldn't couldn't do it that particular night. So they went out and they bought the groceries and they came in. And they gave them the grace bomb card, and then they cooked dinner for them and their family. How incredible is that, church? And, and listen, I just want to say this. I'm, I'm not just asking you to do this. This isn't something that we're just trying to get you as a church to do. This is something that I am doing. And I just want you to know that. I'm, I'm, I keep running out of cards. Okay, last week I was able to find and grace bomb four different people. And, and, and just going through the regular motions of my life, God placed them in my path and spoke to my heart. It's not really hard, church. Like, I mean, I, I bought a coffee for somebody. I took somebody uh, a donut from the new donut truck. Um, it can be as simple as that, it's as simple as that. But, but you have no idea how, how these small, simple things can, can make such an impact and such a difference to somebody. So uh, I just want just to put that out there. Also, we would love to hear the stories of when you grace bomb somebody. You can go to the website, gracebomb.org. And you can put in your story there. And not just your story of when, you, not, it's not just for stories of when people get grace-bombed, but also when you grace-bomb somebody else. Because you grace-bombing somebody else and that impact that it has on you and, that, and, that, and everything that goes along with that, that encourages somebody else to step out of their comfort zone and grace-bomb somebody else. And so, uh, so you go on there and, and give those stories, as many stories as you have, as many stories as you want. And, and those uh, are super, super important. They also go back um, to the grace-bomb home office in, in Maryland, where they are able to see and they are able to know, hey, Grace Bomb is, is, is something's happening. God's doing something through this down in South Carolina. And so let's show them that by going and sharing those stories and letting them know. All right, so I'm going to show you, we're, we'll get into the message now. That was a lot. That was a, a long intro. Uh, let's get into the message this morning. I'm going to show you a picture of, um, of this lady. Hmm. And I, and I doubt anyone here will recognize her by her picture, much, much less her name. Uh, this is a lady named Hetty Green. And she lived around the turn of the century. She was a financier in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And, and her nickname, get this, was the Witch of Wall Street. She was the witch. She kind of she looked like the Witch of Wall Street a little bit. I think I don't know if that's where she got her name or if it was from her personality or like the clothes she wore or whatever. I'm not really sure. But she was called the Witch of Wall Street. You know, uh, we're all going to leave a legacy behind when we die. All of us. People who knew us are going to remember us for something. Even people who didn't know us might hear about us and, and, and from you know, form sort of this posthumous opinion of us and, and based on what we did and, and what they hear. And, and so we all leave this legacy behind. How would you like to be remembered as the world's stingiest person? That doesn't sound fun. She was. She was known at the time as the world. Hedy was famously stingy. In fact, the Guinness Book of World Records awarded her the title of the greatest miser. The Guinness Book of World Records. She, made, she won the record. I don't know if that's an award. I don't know if you get awarded that. But she was given the title of the world's greatest miser. You know who else was a miser? Ebenezer Scrooge that guy was a miser. This is a living version of Ebenezer Scrooge. I don't know when that story was written. I wonder if they're correlated. I don't know. That's conjecture. She was, she was stingy. She, she, she just, she, she was a miser of epic proportions. Let me give you some examples. It was reported uh, that she did not use heat or hot water because it was a luxury that, that unnecessarily cost money. So she wouldn't heat up her food she would pour cold water into oatmeal and eat cold oatmeal as, as her dinner, as her sustenance. She would work out of bank lobbies surrounded by all the cases of her paperwork uh, sitting in the lobby because she didn't want to pay rent for an office. So she would just cart it all into a bank lobby and sit there and do her work while she's like, you know, it, over the bank, like in charge of like, like she has more money than the bank more or less. Right. And so she's she's there doing that. She wore the same black dress. This is reported. She wore the same black dress and underwear until they ran completely thin. That's the dress. And, and even when she washed her dress, she would tell the laundress to only wash the hems at the bottom to save money on soap. No need to wash the whole thing, just the part that catches the most dirt. This is actually a sad story. Her son broke his leg. And she tried to get him admitted to a free clinic for the poor. And, and they, they, they wouldn't admit her, and they charged her, reportedly, 50 cents to reset his leg, and she didn't want to pay it. And so, so he ended up, uh, the leg ended up not being treated correctly. He developed gangrene, and he had to have his leg amputated. So all of this sounds like over-the-top, frugal, borderline sociopathic, Right? But what really makes this surprising is that she left an estate when she died uh, of between $100 and $200 million in 1916. If we extrapolate that out today, that's worth $2.3 to $4.7 billion today. That's how much she had, how much money she was sitting on. She was arguably the world's richest woman at that time. But you wouldn't know it by looking at her. You wouldn't know it by, by looking at her so much money at her disposal, but she kept it hidden. It was, it was locked away. She wouldn't even use it for the health and the benefit of her own son. She, she couldn't release it. She couldn't let it go. I bring her up because I wonder, how would you live, how would you live if you had access to the same amount of resources as Hedy? I would venture to say, in this context, if you were to actually give me an answer back, I, I would venture to say that most of us think that we would live a little differently. Right? We, we, we'd, we'd give more to charity. We'd bless other people. We'd be regular old philanthropists up in here. Like, we would, that's, that's what we would be. That we, we would say that. But can I submit to you this morning that, that when it comes to our Christian lives, many of us are living like Hetty, Spiritually speaking, We are sitting on a vast fortune, a treasure trove, but we're pinching pennies, okay? We're surrounded by an embarrassment of riches that we have in Christ, and and, and instead of sharing it with others, we're holding it back, and instead of using it to to bless other people, we spend it like we hardly have anything at all. I want to try something else to help us wrap wrap our mind around this. Um, If I can get, Naomi, come up here, sweetie. I'm, guys, I'm gonna switch. This is, if that's okay. All right. So this is my daughter Naomi. Everybody say, "Hey, Naomi." <laughs> she she's probably yeah she's probably too too short for the uh, seats. All right. So this is Naomi. Um, and she's going to help me with this. Now, listen. Uh, this is going to help us, I think, wrap our mind around this idea. Now, now Naomi and I haven't rehearsed this, uh, and so I don't know if she'll actually help me prove my point or not. Um, but but we're going to give it a shot. Okay. So, uh, is he my, who uh, I have I have this candy in my pocket, and I told her I was gonna I was gonna give her some candy. So here we have here. See if anybody recognizes this by the wrapper. Ferrero Rocher. Remember in the commercials? They would always whisper it, "Ferrero Rocher." If you don't know about Ferrero Rocher, you got to know about this. Listen, this is th- in our house. We call this daddy's candy. Um, the kids have their own candy. This is daddy's candy. This is this is a this is a note you. You've, you've seen this candy, right? You know what this candy is. You've seen this at home? No, you haven't seen this. Okay. Well, she this is at the house. Ainsley knows about this candy. She tries to sneak this candy sometimes. Um, but but listen, this is this is one of the best candies, Naomi. Uh, That you've probably ever had. It is chocolate and it is delicious. It's got like Rice Krispies in it, and it's got this, uh, it's got this Nutella on the inside. It's got this hazelnut spread. It's so, so good. And so, uh, this is an incredible candy. So I'm going to give you this candy, okay? That's, that's for you. Now, now, Naomi, if I told you that was your only candy, what would you want to do with it? You want to eat it, right? You want to keep it for yourself? Okay. All right. So good. We're, 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 we're one for one. All right. So. Now, let's say, let's say, uh, if if I wanted you to go give that candy to somebody else, but I told you that there's an unlimited amount of candy behind that, right? Like, if you give that candy away, there's more to come. Would you be willing to give that candy away? If I told you there's more, look, 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 look. If I told you I've got more for you, would you give that candy away? All right, go give it to somebody. Go find somebody and give it to them. Real quick move move a little quicker. You got short legs, I know. all right she's about to grace bomb somebody. okay all right so you just you just grace bomb somebody here you go. Now there's more where that came from. you want to give that to somebody? go for it. You see, Naomi, she knows that if she gives one away, her father has made a promise and that he's going to continue to bless her. She's not going to run out of candy. Here you go. Let somebody else have it. Go for it. She's not going to run out of candy because she knows that I've told her I've made a promise and I'm going to continue to bless her. And, and so she knows that she's not going to run out of her resources. I'm not going to let her. Now, maybe, uh, maybe I mix it up a little bit. Maybe instead of the Ferrero Rocher, I throw in something a little bit different. Maybe I throw in some Skittles. Maybe I throw in some Skittles. All right, now now, now, now this, is, this is a lesser candy, mind you. But it's still a blessing and it's still a candy that she didn't have. Do you want to keep those or do you want to keep the, the other chocolate? You want to keep that one? Okay, that's okay. All right, everybody say thank you, Naomi. All right, hey, can you go with Mr. Brandon? He's going to take you back to your class. So I mix it up and I throw in something a little bit different, but, but it doesn't matter. It's still a blessing. How would you live, church, if you knew that you would never run out of resources? Naomi knew that she would never run out of candy. She, I told her, I have, I have a pocket full. I've got all this candy in my pocket. And she knew that I said I, she's not going to run out. She's going to be continually blessed. She's going to be grace-bombed over and over and over and over again. And so whenever, whenever I let her know that, at first she was scared. She was like, I don't know if I want to let this candy go. This is you just gave me this candy. But then when I said, hey, you're about to be blessed more and more and more, you're going to have access to this blessing over and over again, then, then what'd she do? She kind of held it with an open hand, and she started going out and giving it to everybody, dropping little grace bombs all over the auditorium. Can I give you a word of truth here this morning, church, just in case those examples didn't make sense to you today? Uh, for those who are in Christ, we have a treasure and an immeasurable depth of resources to draw from. God has unleashed the fury of grace bombs on us. We have a treasure, church. Look at two people around you and tell them, We have a treasure. Say it like you believe it. Tell one more person, Say it like you believe it. We have a treasure. Legacy City, we have the greatest treasure the world has ever known and ever will know. We are covered by the grace of God. We are dripping in his grace and mercy, surrounded by his faithfulness and wrapped up in his promises. He is a good father that pours out his grace on us daily. Our God is a giver. We don't have to earn his gifts. We don't have to work for his grace. He gives it to us freely out of his immeasurable love for us. Yet what do we do? We tend to keep it for ourselves. All the while, God is trying to get us to share it so that he can give us fresh grace again. I think that if we begin to understand our spiritual riches, we'll start to live our lives a little differently. Oh, Pastor, I don't want to talk about spiritual riches. I want to talk about material riches. I get that. And it may be, this morning that God blesses some of you with material riches. But, but can I ro- remind you also this morning that if it shines, it will also fade. If it's new, the second law of thermodynamics comes into play and it will wear out. And everyone over the age of 30 said, If your satisfaction is found in material things, then you will never be fully satisfied because ultimately the love and the joy and the peace that you are searching for cannot be found in material things. Come on somebody, they can only be found in the spiritual blessings through Christ Jesus. So clearly we need to have a good understanding of our spiritual riches. These are far more important and vastly outweigh any material riches that we may have. And so let's talk about these grace bombs that have been dropped on us in we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, right at the very beginning of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And we'll see that Paul writes, this is amazing to me, one gigantic sentence. All right, we're going to be, we're going to, we're going to be in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, and that entire passage is one sentence. And I believe that it's in this one sentence that God wants us to sit in today. And so we're going to have the scripture on the screen behind me. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. Ephesians chapter 1. And let's go ahead and jump in. And we're going to kind of walk through this and read and, and experience all the grace bombs that God pours out on us. So, so here we go. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, or chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly. Places praise God. Case closed. Let's go home right now, right? Thank you, Jesus. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He starts. Let me let me back it up. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me back up. He, Paul starts this little this little passage. Just it's extremely long run on sentence. He starts by praising God. Right. He starts out. Blessed be God. God, you are awesome. You are amazing. Blessed be the Lord. I love you, God, because Paul knows that everything he's about to say in this verse in the next 13 verses that. That makes up this this huge, powerful sentence. Everything he's about to say is for God and because of God. So he praises God who has blessed us in Christ. It's the key words here. In Christ. God the Father and us, his children, are inseparably united with Jesus. That is who we are, church. That is who we are. And that is the first grace bomb that God drops on us in Christ. And, and that it's it's because of and through that grace bomb that all other blessings, every spiritual blessing from the heavenly place flows down to us. This is the most crucial of all the grace bombs, and that's why it's first. If, if you think about all the amazing things that God has done, all the good stuff that God has done, all the things that He's accomplished in your life, all the blessings he has poured out on you, they were all done. In Christ for you. So let me give you two thoughts on this idea of being in Christ. Because it's important, uh, this is important that we have this established and that we understand this. Paul uses the idea of being in Christ, in Him, in Jesus, in the Beloved, 216 times in his letters. It's safe to say that Paul wanted us to see and understand what being in Christ meant. Okay? Now, honestly, we can spend the rest of this morning, the rest of today, just talking about these two words in Christ. We can do an entire series on these two words and what it means to be in Christ. Because I, the idea of being in Christ is such a powerful one. But I'll try to just I'm just want to boil it down to two quick thoughts this morning. The first is mind-boggling to me. And and it should be incredibly encouraging to us, church. And here it is, that God the Father thinks about you, and treats you the way he thinks about and treats Jesus. Think about that for a second. Imagine that. Jesus. God treats you. He loves you. He cares for you. He gives to you the same way he would for his son, Jesus. Why? Because when God sees you, he sees you and Jesus together. When he sees you, he sees you in Christ that's the way God looks at us come on somebody we are inseparable from Jesus being in Christ you know what that means that means we have access to every possible possible heavenly benefit that that Jesus has access to because we are in Christ we get to experience God's blessing his love his favor his connection and his relationship because we are in Christ and ultimately here's the second thought being in Christ, actually defines us. We, we may think of our job or how much money we make or who we date or who we marry or what our parental status is. we got kids, we don't have kids. We may think of that as, as, as where, where we live. This is, these are the things that define us. Some of you may think of your personality or your intellect or your, your physical appearance. That's what defines you. But listen to me, church, our true identity is in how God defines us. And, and we, my friends, are in Christ, joint heirs with Jesus. We are royalty, sons and daughters of the King of Most High. Can somebody praise him for that fact today? Our identity is found in Christ, church. That is the first grace bomb that he drops on us, and that's, where, that's why we're able to grace bomb other people, because God gave us this unbelievable, unimaginable, undeserved grace first, and now we get to live in Christ. You know, when people, sorry, when God looks at the people of the world, when he looks at all the different people, he sees two types. The Bible talks about two types of people. You are either in Christ or you are in Adam. That's it. That's where the line is drawn. Look what Paul says in another letter he wrote to the church in Corinth. He says, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So God's making this distinction here. We are either in Christ, we identify with him, we we, we are united with him, or we are in Adam and identify with him, which means that we are still enslaved to sin, and by default, we're opposed to God. Which brings the big question, how do I get to be in Christ? Well, let me tell you, the Bible's very clear on the answer to this. We come to be in Christ through faith. by by turning from sin and trusting in him, by opening our hearts up to Jesus and trusting in him fully, by resting in in his unlimited grace and mercy, by receiving this gift with an open and thankful heart and saying, thank you, Jesus. I trust you with my life. I give you my life. That's how we become in Christ, And as soon as we do that, we are in Christ. And, and when God looks at us, he doesn't see our worst mistakes and our failures. He sees Jesus' sacrifice. And, and when God looks at us, he doesn't see our, our, our shame and our brokenness. He sees Jesus completing us. He doesn't see our painful past church. Can somebody thank God that he sees the hope set before us in Christ Jesus? And when we're no longer in Adam... Identity is now found in Christ. And in that moment, God begins to unleash a fury of grace bombs on us. And so Paul goes on, back in our Ephesians passage, to describe some of these heavenly grace bombs found in Christ. And so read, read along with me. Uh, we're going to be in verse 4. Even as he shows us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, that actually starts the next, the next little part. Now you might see some, you might see some periods in here. These were added uh, by other, by you know, by English speakers later. This is all one run-on sentence in the Greek, but I think people thought that maybe we couldn't handle it. So they broke it down for us in the little bite-sized chunks. We're going to use the word chosen to sum up uh, the grace bomb dropped in verse 4. Other versions might use the word election, or if you come from a more reformed tradition, then maybe that's just where your mind goes. Either way, this verse refers to people being chosen before the foundation of the world. You know, scientists will say this happened about 14.2 billion years ago with the Big Bang. And the Bible says in the beginning, God spoke. And really, it does. Whichever way you're slicing this up, and however you understand the timing to be, God creates, and before He creates, He was thinking of you being in Christ. So much so that He has chosen you to be in Christ. You know, I used to call this verse and other verses like it in Scripture. I used to use the phrase, this is a can of worms. Like every time it came time to talk about this kind of thing, I was like, we're about to open a can of worms. And, and listen, it's, it's just a tricky thing that's hard to understand and, and even harder to explain. But now I think i just like to refer to this as a divine mystery. And, and my gut tells me that it won't be fully solved in this life. Yes, there is biblical tension here, and that's okay. Well, then what's true? Do we choose God or did he choose us? Can I give you an answer? <laughs> Can I give you an answer that might be frustrating to some and freeing to others? Both are taught in the Bible. And I am inclined to embrace them both as true and both as essential. On one side, God chooses people. He elects people to be in Christ. But on the other side, people have a responsibility to and a will to decide to surrender to Jesus and believe in him. So the Bible teaches both divine sovereignty and personal responsibility. And to prove it, let me share with you two verses, and I don't want to get too far down this rabbit trail, but I knew I had to address it. To prove it, let me show you two verses uh, where Jesus talks about both in the Gospel of John. On the one side, it says this in John 6, verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. And so Jesus is clearly saying here that that God has to break in. That God has to break in. God has to pursue our hearts and has to draw us. God has to make something happen through the work of election. But at the same time, two chapters later, John records Jesus saying this. I told you personally that you personally would die in your personal sin." For unless you personally believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Jesus says that there is a real choice to be made here, a real decision on your part that makes an eternal impact, a real responsibility to that individual. So yes, there is a biblical tension, but in, uh, but a biblical tension here. But instead of debating it, let's rejoice in it. Unless let's rest in the knowledge that God was thinking of you before he created the world. He was thinking of you. He was loving you before there were people, before there was a universe. How incredible is that? All right, that's too too far down that rabbit rabbit trail. We'll keep going. Moving on. Uh, verse, verses 5 and 6. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Uh, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved this grace bomb can be called adopted just as we have been chosen to be in Christ we also have been adopted into his family when we look at scripture we see a couple of ways that it talks about us coming into God's family and one of those ways is through a more natural sounding uh, a, a, a more natural sounding way that a person is Born again into the spirit, right? And and they become they, they're born again and they are they are having a spiritual rebirth by trusting in Jesus that and when that happens, something new happens in us, something exciting happens in our soul, and we become a new creation. Jesus explains this in John, he says we are reborn into God's family. But we are also adopted. And and I think he uses these different ways of just describing this this coming into the family of God to display, honestly, the width and the breadth of, of this conversion, because it's so deep, it's so heavy, it's so huge. When you think about the idea of adoption, there's, there's a permanence there. You see, m- in my family, we're, we're walking through this process of becoming licensed to foster kids in South Carolina. And, and these kids that we're going to be coming in contact with, they're, they're not going to be our children. Right? They're not going to be like our kids. Of course, we're going to care for them and we're going to treat them as if they were one of our own. But with the understanding that they could leave at any point, at a moment's notice, they, they might be gone. But if we adopted one of those kids, they would be part of our family. They would be grafted into our family. They they would have the keys to the house. They would have full access to everything that is mine. They would be my child. And, and likewise, when we come into God's family, we are brought in as full standing adult members of the family. Why, why, why adult members? Why not child members? Because we, we're brought in as adult members so that we can immediately claim our inheritance and enjoy our spiritual wealth that God so lavishly provides us. Okay, I gotta speed up. Here we go. Paul's grace bombing continues. There's gonna be a fury of grace bombs here. Here we go. Verse 7. Uh, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. This grace bomb is one of my favorites and one that we cannot live without. Redemption and forgiveness. It's a twofer, it's a two-parter. Redemption and forgiveness. The first part of that redeemed Every single one of us in the auditorium have been a slavery in slavery to sin. Some might still be. And the penalty for that sin is death. But to be redeemed, to be redeemed means we were bought with a price. We owed God a death. That's the price that all of us had to pay. We owed God a death. But Jesus came along and he redeemed us with a death of his own. And in that redemption, we can find forgiveness. Our sins are carried away. That's, what, that's actually what, for, like kind of what forgiven means, that, that, that things are carried away. The, for, the, our, our sin is carried away. We are set free from their bondage. We are free from sin, free from shame, free from guilt. We are redeemed by the ple- precious blood of Christ. His mercy and his grace has blazed a path ahead for us. And we accept that freedom. That forgiveness, verse 8, says that he lavishes his riches on us. You know what that sounds like to me? Grace bombs falling like crazy. Number 9, let's keep, or sorry, uh, verse 9, let's keep going. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. This is a great grace bomb that we'll call wisdom. God has given us wisdom. And and, and I don't mean the ability to recall facts or or do long division. I mean that before Christ, there was a mystery as to how God was going to rescue the broken world. How's God going to save? How's God going to redeem? How's God going to bring families together? How's God going to bridge racial barriers to create one people group? It was a a mystery. But in Christ, we now know that whether you're slave or free, whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're black or white, that Jesus ushers us into the family of God, all of us. That's a mystery that's been revealed. That's something that this world needs, and it's a great thing to have the knowledge and the wisdom of. This idea that God fixes broken things. We know that we were broken, and we know that the world is broken. Paul goes on. Still the same sentence, mind you. I, I, again, I know in your Bible or on the screen you might see some periods. Don't let that fool you. Those were added later. In the Greek, this was all one huge, incredible sentence. Just for perspective, this sentence has 257 words in it. That's almost the exact same length as the Gettysburg Address. All right? So, so here we go. Let's, let's, we're, we're closing in on the, the last couple here. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So not only do we have the spiritual blessings right now that we can live in and we can exercise and we can, we can, we can experience, but we also have an inheritance waiting for us. The same inheritance that Jesus has, you will have. Everything that heaven has to offer will be ours. Some of it starts right now, and then it will go on for eternity. And we'll have all of eternity to, to discover just how giving and loving and gracious and amazing God is. What a hope that we have in Christ for this inheritance. An eternal, never-ending inheritance. First Peter 1 says that this inheritance will be imperishable. It will be undefiled. And it will be unfading. That is a hope set before us, church. Otherwise, one incredible grace bomb. But Paul's not done yet. He's got a little bit more to go, a little bit more in the tank. Starting in verse 12. So that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be the praise of his glory. In him also, I'm sorry, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? So God says, hey, I know you're probably not waking up every day thinking about your inheritance. Because that would mean you're waking up every day thinking about death. And that's kind of morbid. So I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you a down payment. I'm going to give you the third member of the triune Godhead. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to come and to take up residence in your soul, and you will be sealed, signifying that the work is complete. The work is done. You are in Christ, and there is no getting out of Christ. You have been raised with Christ, so we have officially completed the transaction. You are sealed. Jesus says this, In John 10, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Church sealed means secure. We have security in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. So, what do you do with? this picture of all these grace bombs i think there's a picture of all the grace bombs i'm willing it there it is what do we do with what do we do with all this what do we do with everything here our identity in christ we have been chosen and adopted we have been redeemed and forgiven we have been given wisdom and we have an inheritance waiting for us We are safe and secure, sealed with the Holy Spirit. What do we do with all of this? We do this. We sit and we say amen. We don't have to do anything other than receive the grace bombs and rest in them with thanksgiving, with, with praise in our hearts to God. Yes, there is a responsibility to share and, and grace bomb other people, but, but, but of course you want to follow through on that and, and there is that responsibility there, but that is not a prerequisite to receiving this grace from God. He gives it freely, church. And what better way to share the grace of God with others than from a place where we have rested in this knowledge and wisdom of what our identity in Christ actually is. It says three times in this passage, to the praise of his glory. God grace bombs to the praise of the glory of his grace. And that is our reason too, for God's glory. Church, my challenge for you is to let your activity flow from your identity. Let what you do flow from who you are and who God's created you to be. You are sitting on a gold mine of blessings. You are sitting on a treasure trove of blessings an unlimited fuel supply. Like the forever Rocher that never stops, you have that in Christ. So my challenge is to go be a blessing. Fill up those grace bomb cards. Take them with you. Make a choice we pray for you. God, we love you, and we thank you, Lord, today. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your blessings. We thank you for everything that you've poured out on us and how you you work in us, and, and God, we just pray right now that, that as we sing these next songs, that you would continue to speak, that you would convict us, and that you would move us to action. You have given us all of this so that we can give to others, and we can praise your name and glorify you in the process. May we do that, God. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name I pray.